This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. What's going on, everybody? Nathan King here from the Auburn Undercover Podcast. Wanted to just remind everybody about one of our great sponsors here on the 24-7 Sports Network, and that is Homefield Apparel. What is Homefield Apparel? You guys, the premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis that produces incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs like Auburn and all of their great logos and designs um, that they've had throughout their history. Homefield digs through the archives and history of your school to find unique logos, mascots, and moments to make thoughtful designs for your school. Obviously, one of their most popular collections is the Auburn collection now. Now over 20 pieces in total on their site, homefieldapparel.com. If you guys were anywhere on social media, you you were part of the Peacock movement. Um, If you're an Auburn fan of the Auburn basketball season, they've got a great Peacock shirt and Peacock hoodie that says Auburn Hoops. Easily my favorite design of theirs. Um, it's a great, great piece of uh, piece of work for an Auburn fan to pick up to commemorate this basketball season. You guys can still get 15% off your first purchase at homefieldapparel.com with the code Auburn Undercover. That's all caps, all one word, Auburn Undercover. Please go check it out. You guys love their product, have loved it for a really long time. If you guys have been anywhere in the world of college athletics in the past couple of years in terms of social media, like I talked about, they have been phenomenal. They've done a really good job of branding themselves and they back it up with a great product and Auburn is one of their biggest sellers like that new peacock uh, jacket I was just telling you guys about. So be sure to go pick that up. Get 15% off your first purchase. Again, promo code, all caps, Auburn undercover at checkout at homefieldapparel.com. Welcome back, everybody. Another edition here of the Auburn Undercover Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King. I am very, 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 very happy today to be joined for the first time since the Birmingham Bowl, since whenever we previewed that game uh, against Houston. It is a football preview roundtable with the entire crew, Um, Philip Marshall, Mark Murphy, and Jason Caldwell, the roundtable is back together to talk about Auburn's season opening game against Mercer Saturday night inside Jordan-Hare Stadium, 6 p.m. on ESPN, 6 p.m. Central, by the way, on ESPN+. Plus. So if you haven't figured out your ESPN Plus uh, free trial yet, you probably need to do that here um, in the next couple of days. I don't know if that's something they have right now, but uh, figure out a way to figure out a way to watch this one. But um, anyway, guys, so, you know, we were talking about it before we started. We have... It's always this time of year, especially when you're not opening like Auburn has with like an Oregon or a Washington or something. 
we've run we've wrung this thing dry uh pre- previewing this auburn team um we've talked about pretty much every aspect of auburn's roster as we as we could have the quarterback battle we know what 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 we're going to see on saturday the depth chart all that kind of stuff um you know they finally have an opponent to go against but not a ton of data on 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 mercer obviously it's an fcs team but we have more data than we usually would because they've already played a game jason um they handled moorhead state last week 63 to 13 uh as i was looking at it a ton of offensive records for them set in that game uh i believe ty james is the name of the former georgia player who's the receiver he was yes. the fbs offensive player of the week yeah. um so we were talking about this a couple episodes ago but if if San Jose State next week represents maybe a slight test for this Auburn offense because they, they have a decent defense in the Mountain West, decent front seven. This, I mean, I'd be I I wouldn't be surprised if there were this is a team that'll spread you out. They've got good receivers, got an experienced quarterback. Auburn might have some frustrations on defense every once relative to this opponent, relative to what will probably be a big win. I think Mercer could could do some decent things, and they'll they'll see some what actually could be a nice test here in this first game. Yeah, I think from a skill player perspective, this is a team that that might be able to cause you a few issues. Like you said, Ty James, the guy that signed at Georgia, um, he's six two two hundred. I mean, monster game coming out. Devron Harper's a speed guy that ri- originally played at Gardner Webb, had a ninety three yard kickoff return for a touchdown. The guy I really like in this is is you know Austin Douglas, running back, is you know five eleven two oh five. Him and, and Al Wooten. A six foot two twenty five back. They got two power backs that can do some things. Fred Payton, the quarterback, is uh, was at Coastal Carolina before. I mean, these they got some guys that have played up a little bit. Um, he's six two two twenty, pretty athletic. The issue I have and the question I have about them is just kind of just their lack of size on the offensive line. This is a, a much bigger Auburn defensive front. Even if you're playing, you know, the the two edge guys together, this is still a, a pretty big defensive line group. And you look at at you know, Mercer on that on the offensive line, Santo DeFranco at left tackle, six four two seventy five. The left guard six three two eighty five. Your center six foot two seventy. Your right guard is six two two fifty. Um your right tackle is the, the, the monster of the group at six three three hundred. They do have a six seven three fifteen redshirt junior that that could, you know, get in the game a little bit of South Alabama transfer. But you know, that's that's just that's really small for a for a you know, a group that you're asking to go against what may be the strength of this Auburn team in terms of the size and depth. I, I just, it's going to be really hard for me to see them doing a ton, doing a ton, and, and they want to run the football. Um, so, um, you know, I, I think it's an interesting matchup for this Auburn defense. You know, the question is, you know, this is a, a Mercer defense that has a little bit of size. They actually played Alabama fairly decent last year. They only gave up 424 yards of total offense to Alabama last year. Now, they gave up 48 points, but one of those is a block punt for a touchdown. Another one came after an interception, a short field. And so, um, you look at them, they they got a few players on this defensive front that, that might be able to cause you some issues. But in the end, this one comes back to if if you're Auburn and – and you have some issues in this game, then then that's going to be troubling because this is a, an opponent that you should be able to handle. But we've seen it before; it happens, and uh, it's not out of the question that it could happen again on Saturday night. Mark, what do you expect from an offensive game plan for Auburn? There's so many different factors that if you're, which by the way, Harson said today that Eric Kesaw will be the play caller. But you know, in this current 
stage of things for Auburn and for a lot of teams in college football, that doesn't end up being the the biggest of, of deals, especially when it's something like Auburn where everybody's kind of putting their heads together in terms of game planning and on game days. But just what kind of offensive game plan do you do you think we'll see in this game? You've got to consider you're breaking in a new quarterback. You've got to consider the new center. You know, maybe you try to run the ball a little more. You've got a lot of receivers. You want to figure out how good that rotation is, who your best players are. Um, a lot of factors at play. What do you expect to see out of out of them for the majority of this game? You know, I think a lot of it depends, Nathan, on how Mercer's going to come out and play defensively, what kind of fronts, what kind of secondary looks. And, you know, they'll try to find some matchups they like. But I think it's important to get a rhythm for the quarterback because last year, um, most of the time, T.J. Finley just didn't look smooth. He didn't look comfortable. He didn't have his feet set sometimes when he threw the football. So watch that. And you want to see how the offensive line plays in unison. Really good offensive lines work together. They got a new guy at center, Tay Johnson. He didn't even play at all last year. He's played one game at Auburn. How he fits in with all this other group, which is really pretty veteran, uh, is going to be something I'm going to watch. And, uh, you know, without a doubt, you want to see the receivers step up and play better because I thought they were the weakest link on the whole team last year uh, as far as blocking, as far as catching passes, as far as running routes. And I think they're going to be better. I'm curious to see how much better. And uh, I think uh, T.J. Finley is going to throw a lot of balls their, their direction. So uh, that will certainly be what I'm going to be watching Saturday night. Philip, this is the first time Auburn is opening the season with an FCS opponent um, since 1999. They played App State. Um, Should have lost. Kind of hung around in that game, barely barely won that one. And, you know, it's kind of set the tone for the last you know, little while for Auburn against non-Power 5 teams. Obviously, they're like anybody, most of the time, they handle business. Um, been a few scares here and there. Of course, as recently as Georgia State last season, even the last time they played Mercer, it was a one-score game late in the fourth quarter. I think I, I, think I remember Mercer – scored to make it 17-10 with like four minutes left, and then Auburn and Cam Petway put it away toward the end. Of course, Auburn had five turnovers in that game, so they just sort of were handing opportunity after opportunity. But, you know, this is this is something where I think if you're Auburn, you are remembering back to Georgia State last season and knowing that um, with, with this current iteration of the team and in years past, I think most Auburn fans go into these kinds of games saying this is what should happen. But occasionally, this is what does happen. They kind of trip up. Um, you know, what do they have to do on on Saturday in order to to make this a decisive well, my, win? My honest opinion, maybe a little different, is that as long as they win, it doesn't much matter. Uh, they uh, that App State game you talk about, you talked about two weeks after that, they won forty one to seven in Baton Rouge. Uh, so I think that. Uh, Obviously, losing a game like this would be a disaster. Auburn has never lost to an FCS team. To uh, Morris Robinson saved Tommy Tuberville in his first game against App State, which would have been terribly embarrassing since they very they were supposed to play Florida State in that game, and then a very controversial move canceled that game and scheduled Appalachian State instead. And be clear, Appalachian State and and uh, then was nothing like Appalachian State now. And uh, uh, it was a tie game late in the fourth quarter, and 
there was a mix-up. The center snapped the ball. Ben Leard wasn't looking for it, and the ball's bouncing around inside the five-yard line. And Travaris Robinson, who was then a freshman wide receiver, saw it and outran about uh, four Mercer guys to the ball and recovered it. And Auburn punted and then got the ball back. And th- Ben Leard threw a touchdown pass to Ronnie Daniels to to win it. But Auburn could easily have lost it. Clearly, they could have lost with Jacksonville State. Uh, in 2015, you probably should have had to go to overtime. So it it could happen, but I I think it's less like when you play uh, that Auburn team just wasn't really very good. <laughs> and uh, uh, but there's a little more excitement playing anybody when it's the first game than if you play in the third game or the fourth game, and it's just a game you got to get through. But uh, you know, I don't I don't see Mercer. Uh, uh, unless Auburn does like they did it in that uh, game you're talking about last time they played and turns it over half of the half of their possessions, uh, I don't I don't see Mercer being able to keep them from running the ball, and uh, and I don't see Mercer being able to run the ball very much, and uh, so I'll be surprised if it's close. That doesn't matter, and I, you know, last year, first two games last year, what was it six? 60 to 10 and 62 to nothing. Yep. So, uh, you know, and that's why I say it, it doesn't – I think you make a mistake if you put too much on what what you see in a game like this either way. And uh, But uh, I think that Mercer is a good FCS team, and the last thing you want to do is mess up and turn the ball over and, and give them the uh, – feeling that, hey, maybe we can do this. Because I, I listened to their coach do an interview earlier, and uh, and he was approaching it the right way, so we're going to compete and we're going to play as hard as we can. But he, there was no, we, we think we can go in there and win the game. He didn't say that. And uh, uh, and they can't unless Auburn really helps them a lot. But uh, I think it's important for T.J. Finley to have to be comfortable and have a good game and uh uh and for the two coordinators to kind of you know it's kind of a shakedown cruise for them too so uh it's going to be interesting to watch some of those things i'll be surprised if auburn doesn't win i i, I can't see it being a game the, the fourth quarter game or anything like that again unless there's like a ton of turnovers again Jason, like like Philip mentioned, and also by the way, to your point, Philip, they almost lost to Georgia State, and then they immediately turned around and similar for the first time since 1999, since that game, they went and won in Baton Rouge, and so right, you, know, you just got to right. Get through it. And Georgia State has some players now. <laughs> Georgia State, Georgia State was, uh, you know, they're they're going to have talent at Georgia State just because of where they are, and uh, and and plus they're they're. FBS schools, so they got more scholarships. But you know, I was, I was. You had to be impressed if you watched Mercer, which I did last week until it just got so ridiculous. It wasn't. It was too boring. And uh, but I think that uh, Morehouse. And there's a wide, wide range of FCS teams, <laughs> and uh, and Morehouse is not a good one. And Mercer, I think, is a good one. I. I think they're ranked in the top 25, and uh, 
they lost a close game in the last game last season that kept them from to I think to East Tennessee State that kept them from uh, winning their conference and I guess going to the playoff. So who knows? But this is a game for your Mercer. You you want to uh, enjoy the experience and give a good account of yourself and and if you're Auburn, uh, you want to come out feeling good about yourself. You, the last thing you want is to come out and say it. Say, well, of course, the last thing you want is to lose. But beyond that, the last thing you want is to come out saying, man, we won, but we weren't very good. And uh, so you want to have some momentum because I believe next week will be a much, much tougher test than this week will be. Yeah, I believe I saw number 14 for them in the FCS rankings after that after that first game. So top 15 team on their, on their level. Um, Jason, like, like Philip mentioned, 122 to 10 was the combined score of those first two games last season. It was a completely identical setup um, FCS team and a smaller team before you played Penn state. Um, I remember being pretty impressed with the execution level from this offense against Akron. Now it might've been you. I can't remember who I was venting to in the press box, but, Akron's defense was frustratingly bad. Like it was, terrible. Almost, yes. it was almost making me angry. How? It, yeah, I think it was you talking about being down on the field. Yeah, they were they were really really bad. Um, but you know, Mercer could be the same way in a lot of in a lot of instances. Um, Harson was asked about it this week. He's you know somebody asked him, you know, was it by design to run for so many yards against those teams last year? Do you plan to? lean so much on the rushing tack and he said well you know how many rushing yards we have between the two games like 700 he's like i mean sure yeah that was by design of course like you always want to have that many that many <laughs> rushing yards but the bottom line is they executed really well out of the gates last year um they they were implementing a lot of new offensive stuff for for bo Nix and that offense and they they hit on it pretty well in what was maybe kind of a glorified you know exhibition kind of kind of game but um you know it, i think it would do a lot like like Philip mentioned. Maybe it would be even more important for a guy like Finley to be as effective. If he ends up being nine of twelve for a buck fifty, something like that, and he's able to go out and run this offense, not only does that make him confident, but it you know sort of rests you know eases some uh, some worries that Auburn fans might have, saying, okay, it looks like he can run this offense, you know, and he can and he can be a confident quarterback. Yeah, and you know, to touch on Philip's point, I, I completely agree in one situation. I completely agree that if you go out and win sixty to nothing. That it doesn't really. Well, last year showed it's not a true, it's not a barometer, but it can be a barometer if you don't play well. Um, that '99 team had a losing record, even though they did beat LSU. Uh, they had a losing record. Um, that team that almost lost to Jacksonville State went six and six and had to have a Birmingham Bowl win over Memphis to, to have a winning record. So it, it it has it has an impact because if you're struggling in that game, that means you're not physically dominating the other opponent, or there's a reason why. And so I think. That's the thing. I don't think, you know, if it if it goes great, then you go okay. That's that's great. We'll, we'll see what what the future holds. If there's some issues, and you're scuffling, then then that's not a great sign in week number one. And and your know, quarterback's going to be there. Uh, running game's going to be there. I think we feel like we know what we're getting from this defense. There may be a few bumps and along the way, but you know what these guys on defense have gone out there and done it, and they've proven it. You know, the question lies on offense. Can you're right. Can T.J. Finley play and deliver the ball and do those things? But can they? I mean, they better be able to run it against Miss Mercer. There's no question about that. And then, can they make some plays at wide receiver? 
not not can they catch the ball. That was that was basically the end of the year last year. That was just they just catch the ball. That was the goal. You got to do more than that, and they got to do more than just catch the football and and get tackled after eight yards. Um, you got to be more explosive than that at wide receiver, and that's the next step. They 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 got to show some of those things. Um, you don't have to do it a bunch of those things against March in week one, but you got to show that you got the guys that can potentially do that down the road. Before we started, uh, Mark, we we sort of ran through the idea of you know, what are a couple not predictions, but just things you will be looking for um, in this game. You know, maybe w- whether it's a couple players, whether it's a couple areas. Um, like Jason mentioned before we started rolling, like I said at the beginning, you know, we've we've exhausted every <laughs> every position group on this roster. I hope I I sincerely hope all of our listeners have a really good grasp of every position group because boy, we've run through it. A lot throughout uh, throughout preseason camp, but once now that we're actually getting live game action, TJ Finley will be throwing against another team, all that kind of stuff. Um, what are two areas, two guys, whatever, you know, a couple, a couple groups, a couple areas for this game that you will be keeping an eye on, and maybe um, you know trends that you think could could occur in this game? Oh, well, I'll talk about a couple players. I'm curious to see, uh, and they're both in the middle of the action out there. Jason Jones, the transfer from Oregon, originally from Calera High School. A uh, huge nose guard, nose tackle, whatever you want to call him. And, uh, you know, talked to Jimmy Brumbaugh about him, and he said he was had potential when he was out at Oregon because Brumbaugh was on the staff out there, but he said he just didn't really put it together. He said he's played much better since he's gotten to Auburn, and I think he's committed himself to be a better player. And uh, his teammates think he's going to be a real – plus to the defensive front this year. So I'm going to be watching him carefully to see how he does in his opening game, his first college start. And then on the other side, Tate Johnson making his first college start. Is he big enough? Is he physical enough? Is he confident enough to play that center position? Does he snap the ball well? I think that's certainly two things to watch. There's a bunch of other ones I'm interested in seeing too, but those two really stand out. I want to throw my two cents in on the uh, – you know, opponent uh, conversation. I thought Akron was pretty sorry last year, and uh, they were even by Mac bad Mac team standards. They were really bad, and I think Mercer will be much more athletic um, than Akron was. Probably not nearly as big, but much more athletic and probably better coached. And I'm sure, you know, Mercer could probably beat it last year's Alabama State team by three or four touchdowns. So uh, it's a little bit of a different animal, but still a team Auburn should beat if it plays well and should win by multiple touchdowns. Yeah, like we talked about with Finley, just it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really matter who he's going up against. It's just wanting to see that offense run crisply, wanting to see him, you know, make the connection with receivers, whether it's against Mercer, whether it gets on it's on air, you know, you know, against nobody, fans want to see that. Same thing for Tate Johnson. It doesn't. It doesn't matter who he's going against. Um, you want to see them. You don't want to see a lot of mistakes between the center and the quarterback. I mean, Philip just talked about a snap that went the wrong way. I mean, you don't want to see that with a new guy that's coming in um, at center. Yeah, so- Nick Brahms has played played forty games for Auburn. Tate Johnson has played in one, I believe. Who yeah. no. That's yeah. eleven that's total snaps. Yeah, and a good-looking player, and yes, and somebody that you know, like we've been, you know, interested to see on the field. But you, you absolutely cannot replace, at least immediately, you can't replace um, what Nick Brahms brought. Um, Philip, what do you, you know? We're, we're we're so close now. I feel like people are just 
you know, they're, they're sort of tired of hearing about, um, you know, all the different, <laughs> all the different aspects of things we've been talking about all off season, or at least that's been the, that's been the vibe I've gotten from people on our board and just people I've been talking to. It's like, all right, let's, let's get this thing finally kicked off. When things finally get kicked off on Saturday, um, what are you most intrigued to see? What are a couple things that you're, that you're really going to have your eye on from coaching, from players, from positions, whatever. Well, I think that uh, one thing I, I'm cur- I'm interested in seeing is how different the defense looks with, with Owen Papo at full speed. Uh, that's something they obviously missed terribly bad last season. It's uh, It was unfortunate that, that he couldn't play the second half or so of the season and wasn't really full speed when he did play. And uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing that. And, you know, it's uh, the offensive line. Uh, Brandon Council, his first year, uh, was clearly Auburn's best offensive lineman before he hurt his knee. And, uh, uh, he hasn't, he hasn't seemed to play and I'm, I'm hesitant to, to, to say how an offensive lineman played or not, because it's, it's just hard to tell and whether it was somebody else's mistake or he went the wrong way or what, but, uh. But I'm curious to see if he can get back to that level, which he does not seem to have been at since then. Uh, that's one thing. And uh, uh, the other thing is uh, uh, it is obviously Finley. I mean, everybody, that's, every, that's everybody wants to see what's going to happen with him. And uh, uh, I think it, he'll be fine as long as he doesn't go out there and and throw a bunch of interceptions. You know, when you talk to coaches about execution, they'll tell you that being crisp on execution is a lot better when all your guys are better than all their guys. So, uh, uh, so I don't think executing against Mercer definitely means that you'll ex- excuse me that you'll execute against LSU or Georgia or whoever, but. It'll certainly be a step in the right direction, and th- and this offense and defense with two new coordinators, two new play callers, they need to get comfortable with that. So it'll be a game, and it'll be it'll be something to watch, which is something we haven't had, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, for sure. I'm just excited for all day Saturday to to have able to. I mean, week zero was a nice was a nice little appetizer, and we got uh, we got Vandy in there, which 
Hey, Vandy is the number one scoring offense in the FBS right now, by the way. Lock it down. Put it in. They, they may stay there after after week two. Or after oh, yeah. They might, the team they're playing this Saturday may be worse than that one. Yeah, it, it's right there. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited. For, I'm, I'm excited for Thursday night. Um, you, yeah. you know, there's there's some Auburn Auburn flavor on a Thursday night. with you know Penn State's playing at Purdue. Aiden O'Connell's a really good quarterback for Purdue. Penn State is 11 and 11 in its last 22 games under James Franklin. They've added some transfers, but it's a big game for them. Um, Missouri's playing. I mean, there, there's some things to watch. Tennessee's playing. I'm sure that'll be a wild atmosphere, and they'll probably score 700 points, you know, in their first game. So, um, backyard brawl is back um, on Thursday night. There's there's some, a, a good kickoff to a hey, we got a long weekend of football all the way to yep. Monday night. Looking San Jose State, Jason, is playing Thursday as well. So. Yep. Auburn's next two opponents. You can watch them on Thursday, and you gonna you don't got to worry about them getting in the way of your. You can watch Auburn's next three opponents between the next three days. Of course, yes. first on Saturday, and then and then yep, Penn State on Thursday. Um, Jason, I guess you know just just your your two cents, your two areas that you'll be that you'll be paying attention to. Yeah, I mean you know it's obvious up the middle. You know when you look at Tate Johnson, the Tate Johnson, um, T.J. Finley. Um, you know, just the even just little things, just just the, the snaps when they're in shotgun. Um, you know, they're in the right place. The timing of the offense, the timing of the offensive line, um, that whole offense. You know, you're in the second year of essentially the same system, so I, that should be beneficial, especially for a guy like T.J. Finley. But just you know, how's that offensive line? I'm, I really want to see you know if Austin Troxel. He, he looks physically like he's a guy that that you know, should have looked before all these injuries. He, he, he's, he's, he's been able to work out and, and build on a season for the first time. I'm looking forward to seeing if him and Killigan Zaire can be road grader type offensive tackles. I think they can protect. Can they open up and, and get downhill in the running game? Can The offensive line in general, can they get to the second level? That's what they've been working on. Last year, they were fine at the point of attack, but the point of attack means you got a four-yard run. They need, you know, you got Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter, Demari Austin. They need forty-yard runs. They've got to, they've got to get to second level, get to, to those guys in the secondary. So I want to see if those guys are more active on the front on the offensive line. And then, you know, Mark mentioned Jason Jones. I want, even if it, you know, it's just Mercer, and and again, a long way, it's a long way from Penn State and LSU, and obviously Georgia and Alabama. But I want to see, you know, Marsh Joseph. We've heard about him, but Jeffrey Emba, um, you know, some of these other guys, Dylan Brooks. I want to see because these are guys they're going to have to depend on this season. I want to see what those guys look like in a game and, and, you know, maybe playing four or five snaps in a row with the energy of the crowd and, and kind of being out there. That's, that's going to be big for me. So I guess mine's a little bit line of scrimmage based too for what I want to see from this team. Yeah. I'm with Mark about, uh, about the defensive line possibly having a lot of success. Jason, I, I didn't realize how small the Mercer O line yeah. was. Uh, Colby wouldn't might kill someone. I mean, it's that it, he's the talent. Mar- Marcus uh, Harris is the, probably the strongest guy of the bunch. Yeah, and he's, you know he's built like a like a fire hydrant that weighs three hundred pounds. And my guess is is that there's going to be some guys on roller skates on the Mercer offensive line come Saturday night. Yeah, and it was funny today we were talking to Jalen Simpson, and he like paused mid answer, and he was like, "I just want y'all to know." I love the defense. I love my line. <laughs> he was like, yeah. I love the defensive line. He knows where the bread's buttered. Yeah. Yeah. Those guys have to get pressure for those secondary guys to look good. 
Yeah, and uh, Jalen was great today. A lot of, a lot of, you know, he was funny, but there was a lot of insight going on too in between his his answers, talking about how because we've said throughout the preseason, look, secondary is pretty solid. D line is probably the best group, and he was like, "Look, we're not good without them," and, and you know they've they've got to rely on us too. What what do you, I forget the phrasing he used, but pressuring. I think he said, "Yeah, uh, yeah, pressure and coverage or something like yes, that." Yes, that's it. They they go hand in hand, and yep. we talked about it. It's it's and it's so it's so vital in today's game to pressure to be able to pressure the quarterback but you know create negative plays and and just even if you know you don't have to sack guys but you got to get pressure and you got to get after them and so um it's a big deal but you know yeah you're right Jalen and and Nehemiah Pritchett uh, Donovan Kaufman um those guys back there you know Zion Puckett they got some they got some veterans on this defense and I would expect those guys to go out there and and play like a group of veterans um, I'm going to do it as soon as we're so we're recording this on Wednesday night. I'm going to upload all the player interviews on our YouTube channel after we're done. Um, there's been a lot of good ones this preseason. This has been <laughs> this has been a really good preseason for interview. I've been Chapman, Colby Wooden, uh, even Jason Jones today in, in kind of the way that he was sort of blunt about things. But uh, y'all go watch on the Auburn 247 YouTube channel. I'll post the full interview with Jalen Simpson. Uh, every other answer was was pretty entertaining. Uh, he called Jason our Jason. He called our Jason goofy at the very beginning. Um, yeah, so that was good. And then he talked about his battle rapping career. So all of it, all of it was great. Um, me personally, I, I you know to I guess deviate maybe from from the stuff we've been talking about a lot. Uh, you mentioned Demari Alston, Jason. I, I'm remembering from my time at Auburn when I was a freshman. I watched Cam Martin go crazy against. Alabama a and think he had like a buck 50. Um, I remember they were playing Kent State when I was a senior. I think both Joey Gatewood and Sean Shivers combined for like 300 rushing yards between the two of them. So there, there's a precedent for a guy further down the running back rotation in a game like this where Auburn wants to really, really lean on that ground game, make things as easy as possible for the quarterback, to, like Mark said, to make some easy completions. Um how about Demari Alston in this game? Maybe going for somewhere around 100 yards. I certainly think he, he there's a good chance he could end up with the most carries in this game. And really, I'm interested to see him. He's he was kind of one of the the quieter additions, I think, just because of once he came on board, the rest of the class sort of settled in. Um, he's a really good player, and we saw on Saturday he took a lot of those first team reps. Really good looking ball carrier. So I'm interested to see him in his first action. And then Jason just mentioned the secondary. I am very interested to see how those pieces fit into place. The ones we don't know, um, the Keontae Scott train continues to continues to roll on. Mark had some pretty big praise for him um, earlier in the week on on one of our shows. Uh, I, I mean, continually sounds like he's just been that dude throughout the preseason. Um, and then I love Caden Bridges. I I have absolutely loved him and his athleticism. Um, he's a guy who's capable of just destroying somebody on a play. So. Uh, those guys that are like the unknown commodities in the secondary. That's that's what I'll be interested in seeing. But um, anyway, guys, so it's the round table. So as is tradition, we will end here uh, with our score predictions and just, you know, your 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 tweet length uh, prediction for the game. So we'll start with Mark. Mark, uh, does Auburn handle business and how so on Saturday? Yeah, I think the score I uh, predicted was 37-14 or 13, something like that. And uh, um I think it could certainly be bigger than that, but I think Mercer is going to put up a good fight and keep it interesting for a while in the first half. All right, Philip, 
the pressure. I, I think I picked. Thir- I know I did. I picked thirty-eight to thirteen. Uh, uh, Auburn went thirty-eight to thirteen mainly because I think that uh, that Mercer is uh, is the team that's going to come in here and, and not and play hard and not be intimidated. I'm sure it's very helpful to them that they played in Tuscaloosa last year. So, uh, and gave a reasonable account of themselves under the circumstances. So, uh, uh, I don't look for it to be a game that's in, in, in doubt, but, uh, but I also look for Auburn too. I mean, once the game's in hand, you're not going to, you're probably not going to see Tank Bigsby or a lot of guys. Uh, there's no reason to. And, uh, so I, I think Auburn could beat them worse. Uh, Obviously, if Mercer turns the ball over, it could get completely out of hand. Uh, but uh, but I think thirty-eight to thirteen, I, I think Auburn will uh, will will do what they need to do, and then turn it over to the to the guys that haven't played much. Jason, what you think? Yeah, I, I've got fifty-six seventeen because I think I don't I I think they're really going to struggle to move the football in the first half, and I think Auburn's going to have a lot of field position. I think this game could be – I think Auburn could score 30 in the first half because I think they're going to be aggressive. I think, I think this is a group that, that feels like they got something to prove. And even though it's just Mercer, I think that starts on Saturday night. And I think they'll score some second half. That's what they did last year in Tuscaloosa. They scored a few, you know, a couple of touchdowns in the second half. And, and they'll do some things. But I just really think they're going to struggle to move the football against this Auburn defense. And you give this team a couple of short fields, um, get a turnover or two, do some of those things. And – it could get out of hand in a hurry, and Nathan, I got, that's why my I thought that point was right too. Because when the more you go to Jarquez Hunter and Demari Austin, you know Auburn's you know second offensive line are guys that have played a lot of football too. You start going to Brendan Coffee and Alec Jackson and, and some of those guys; those guys are, are grown men. Cam um, Stutz, yeah, yeah, it, it's or Keandre Jones, whoever it is, um, Jaleel Irvin. I mean, that, those guys. That's the thing about it. You know, they got a bunch of those guys in and, and this wide receiver group. I mean, the 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 second four, they're not a nickel's worth of difference between those guys and the first four. Camden Brown is going to be, you know, that guy, you could be throwing that guy the ball in the fourth quarter of this game. And so I think there's opportunities for Auburn to to, to go out there and, 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 you know, do some things offensively. Your pitch probably better than mine, Jason. I, well, no, who knows? I, I, you know, there's one thing somebody talked about that today. They're talking about, making picks with the spread. I said, but the one thing you do not want to do is listen to, because the more, I, the more I look at a game, the worse I get. So, uh, um, you know, this is liable to be 36 to 27 before it's over with. Uh, yeah. I hope not for, for Auburn fans sakes and, uh, and, and their blood pressure on Saturday, but uh, <laughs> I, I think they will, I think they'll handle business. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you, Jason, on like the higher ending, higher, higher scoring end of the spectrum uh, there for Auburn. Uh, I've got 45 to 21 Auburn. And the only reason 21 might sound high. I see Mercer. Like I said, I, I, I kind of see a, maybe a little bit of frustrations and just kind of, they'll just be, they'll just be bothersome. I think in their passing game occasionally, I think maybe through the first three quarters, they could get a couple touchdowns. Um, if not a couple at the end of the game against these, the third team defense. And so, um, but really, of course it doesn't really matter. Um, but that's why I will, what I will roll with in our, by the way, if you're listening to this on Thursday morning, um, our staff picks will make their triumphant return, the fearless forecaster. So go check that out um, on our website. We'll have picks for this game. We'll have picks in our a couple sentences on uh, the game of the week, which 
it could be Notre Dame, Ohio State. I, we could have gone with that, but I, I, Oregon, Oregon, Georgia kind of has the sense of maybe being a little more competitive. And then other other notable games throughout the week. Um, Jason had the idea before the show, um, or maybe I had it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's all rolling together at this point um, to kind of go through the our game of the week and, and give a couple thoughts on that, guys. I think we should just give a couple thoughts on the rest of the schedule and just kind of maybe some games you'll be like Jason said on, you know, for the Thursday night games, um, just a couple games that you'll be looking out for and just thoughts on Saturday in general, whether it's in the sec yeah. or elsewhere, Jason, I guess I'll start with you. You know, we've, we've talked a little bit this week about that Oregon Georgia game because a guy like Bo Nix, he knows Georgia. Dan Lanning knows Georgia. I think that one's a given for everybody. I think yeah. everybody wants to see that one for lots of different reasons. Um, yeah, no, that one's one that, that you want to pay attention to. I think Florida State LSU, just because I, I just absolutely have no idea what to expect from LSU. I, you know, Florida State's played a game. You know, what does what does LSU do? Yeah, Cincinnati, Arkansas. I mean, they're, they're, it's a pretty good first weekend. So there's a few games that, that I that I like to, to to kind of you know pay attention to. Uh, you know, this weekend that's a couple of mine. Mark, what about you? Where you're? Where were you going against the grain? I picked. Cincinnati to go into Fayetteville and win. And I understand a lot of Cincinnati's talent is in the NFL right now, but I think they're well coached. And I think Arkansas lost a lot of talent too. So uh, I think the expectations are higher for Arkansas than they probably should be. So maybe I'm wrong on that, but uh, you know, I don't think um, Fayetteville is the most intimidating place in the world to go in and try to win as a road team. So I uh, think Cincinnati could make that very interesting. And both teams are ranked, but Arkansas is definitely the favorite. Philip, it works out pretty nicely because the Oregon Georgia game comes on at two thirty. So we'll just be yeah. able to cruise through that one until until Auburn kicks off, and then Notre Dame Ohio State is a, unfortunately uh, the nightcap. Seems like those will be the two best ones. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that Georgia Oregon game as well. Obviously, I think that. Uh, uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sure Kirby is not thrilled about the way it just it happened to turn out, which is his defensive coordinators on the other side of the field and uh, the quarterback, uh, a quarterback who, who's already played played against them three times, is on the other side of the field. And Oregon's got a lot of good players. Uh, I think if Robert, if Georgia and Oregon were playing in the middle of the season, I might I'd probably pick Georgia. But Georgia's got only got three starters back on defense, and uh, I'm just not somebody who says, "Well, they got a bunch of five stars, so they're going to be great." They're not five stars to me until they're five star players. So, uh, and plus, they just haven't played together that much. And I, I think that's at the same time, it's first game under a new coach for Oregon on the other side of the country. Uh, so I, th- I think Georgia will win, but I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a close game. Jason mentioned LSU and Florida State. I'm interested in that too. I don't really have any reason to believe either one of them's any good, but uh, uh, you know it, it's a really strange start to the season when you look at it. Florida, Florida's playing Utah. Auburn's playing playing Mercer, of course. LSU's playing Florida State. All three of those teams are coming off losing records. That's I'm pretty sure that's probably never happened. Not in modern times that Auburn, LSU, and Florida had losing records in the same season. It, it uh, have to it have to go but, back to I don't know 
maybe some maybe some point in the seventies. I don't know if there was any time even then. Yeah, you know, before uh, between Mike Archer and Saban, LSU had a bunch of losing seasons. So I think there was probably some when there were two of them. But I I, I looked and what I saw, I didn't see three. But uh, uh, that'll be interesting. I, I'm not a Cincinnati believer. I'll be honest. Uh, I, I'll be surprised if Arkansas doesn't beat them. Uh, I, I just, uh, but there's a lot of good games. I'm looking forward to Purdue and Penn State. That's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, good, good and it will be, be a good one. Sorry, Notre Dame and Ohio State. I, I still can't. I'm still puzzled why Notre Dame's ranked in the top five, but uh, I, I don't think that'll be much of a game myself. You know, a conference that really needs to have some good things happen this week is the Pac-12. So. If Utah goes down to the swamp and gets uh, beaten by Florida, which I agree with you guys, Florida is a very suspect team. That's not good for the Pac-12. And if Oregon gets run out by Georgia down in uh, Atlanta, that's going to be bad for that league. So, uh, yeah, that that's certainly two very interesting cross-country games week one. Yeah, they, they need Oregon to, to show up and play well. They need Utah to win. Uh, going down there and playing well and losing, that's not going to do them any good. It would be a death blow to the league if, if both. If, if you know, Utah, I, I, I don't doubt that Utah has a really good team, but I do doubt that they've ever experienced an atmosphere like they're going to experience Saturday. And there'll know, be a lot of excitement with a new coach. And you know, Oregon's a tough is a tough place to play, and I've never been there. But they say it's loud, all these things, and. You know, Utah was much better with with you know the quarterback in place last year. You know, lost some you know lost some close games early until he kind of settled in as a starter. But uh, you just don't know. You're right. The, this we're talking about Auburn. Auburn's in year two, question marks. But Florida, LSU, Ole Miss, um, there's there's Missouri. There's 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 so many question marks and teams. It could be wildly different. Um, and how these things turn. South Carolina, um, it's all over the league. Um, and, and at least we get a, a first chance to see maybe a few of these questions get answered. Yeah, the Utah and Florida was one I definitely had circled. I, I think it was the Athletics Utah writer said this week that this is the biggest regular season, biggest season opener for that program ever. And it's not because Florida is expected to be particularly good but it's because of all the reasons you guys just talked about that yeah the pressure's I, on the pressure is You've on got pressure on to win at florida yep yeah utah probably practiced at 20 to 25 percent humidity uh before they uh hit the road to gainesville it's going to be about 98 percent humidity in the swamp the air is not going to be moving down there so that that stadium is like built down into the ground anyway so uh that's certainly going to be a big home field advantage for the Gators. I mean, like Jason said, you know, again, I'm sure Oregon is very loud. Florida in 2019 is the loudest stadium I've ever been to, and I haven't been covering football that long, but when they hit that big run to beat Auburn at the end of the game, I thought I was about to go deaf. So that place well, definitely get crazy. It, 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 I'll just say this. Having been on the field at all these places, it doesn't get any louder than that. You know, it gets to a point where you're like, it's just loud, and that's what it is. Florida is one of those places where it just gets loud, and that's it. You, 
I mean, it can get louder, but you don't know it because you can't hear anything yeah. anyway. And so, you know, I think. Yeah, I think you know, that's true at Florida, Auburn, LSU, Georgia. Florida, Auburn, wherever, LSU. Correct. Each it place gets, has got a big stadium. It, uh, yeah. After a while, it, what you can't hear, it doesn't matter anymore. That's it. You just get to a point, and Florida gets to that point. And, and when, they're, when they're good and when it's rolling, those big high concrete walls in that stadium, it gets loud. And if it gets there Saturday night and they get some momentum, then it could be it could be rough for Utah. Yeah, Utah's a, finished out last season real physical, which is something that'll serve you well in the Pac-12. And like like Jason mentioned, Cam Rising, kind of a dark horse dark horse Heisman guy, really came on for them. But on the same on the other side, AR fifteen, Anthony Richardson for for Florida. In terms of ceiling of quarterbacks in the SEC has a has a pretty high one. So it, it, the athleticism. I mean, Oregon is a in a very aggressive defense, and you're playing a guy that can take off and run. That's the danger zone for because you would think in you know against uh, you know a team like Utah, Utah, you think they'd want to you know play that guy. You want to keep him in the pocket and make him beat you, but they they want to get after guys, and that could be a that could be bad if he, if he you know, escape some of those, there won't be anybody there. And so uh, it, it's, it is a very, very interesting matchup. Yeah. If, if Oregon loses and Utah loses, Over. That, that'll just be that much, that, that just another slap for the Pac-12 says you don't belong. It's because uh, that's too, Georgia's replacing so many players. Florida, it's what, was they four and eight or five and seven last year, whichever one they were. Uh, Got a new coach. I mean, yeah. if your best team goes down there and gets beat, then it'll all be on USC's shoulders. Yep. All all USC. That's that'll be the last hope for them. Yeah. Yep. And that was my other that was my other sort of note about this first week. Um unfort it's an unfortunate thing. Unfortunately, the three uh you know, three out of the four powerhouses that have new coaches. Now LSU is getting a nice first test against FSU. But the other ones that I'm really interested to see how they how these coaching regimes pan out, um, they ain't playing nobody. Uh, USC plays uh, Rice, Miami, yeah. Miami plays Bethune Cookman, and o- let's see who Oklahoma plays. Um, Oklahoma plays UTEP, and so these you know it, it's this was one of the craziest offseason. Notre Dame plays Ohio State, so that's a new coach at a big place that has an opportunity. But you know um, there, this at- was a crazy off season of these like insanely powerful programs getting new coaches, and uh, like for me, I'm uh, USC is going to be such appointment television for me. Like I'm so excited to be watching Pac-12 football at midnight and watch a really exciting team. I think, but we we just won't know for a, yeah. A couple the of weeks question the question for USC is yeah, how long does it take to know? They they open with Rice, they're at Stanford in week two, and Stanford was terrible. I mean, they were terrible last year. Fresno State in week three. Oregon State week four, Arizona State in week five. The Oregon State may be the best team they play the first it five probably weeks is. of the season. Yep. Fresno's pretty good too, I think. Yeah, I mean, they can be oh, okay, but that should not be a team that USC – and then Washington State in week six. And, and you know, they, they do have the transfer quarterback, but it may be a while before – I mean, USC could be 6-0, and be ranked third in the country, and nobody have any idea what kind of team they Yeah, got. here's the problem in the Pac-12, though, Jason. I mean, if they're not playing UCLA and not playing Utah – uh yeah uh, usc would usc would play ucla i know but what i'm saying is besides those yeah besides it that's it there's no there's no strong teams to play 
No, Oregon, if you don't match up with them, that's probably yeah. the next, that'll be the next best team. To, yeah, no, there's just not many opportunities, and, and that's the thing. Um, you know, they'll have some I guess they late. play Notre Dame, don't they? They'll have, they'll have them late in the season, but uh, no, it's no, it's I, it's it's one of those th- things that where you look at the, that league, there's not many opportunities to lose in this league. <laughs> if, you're, if you're in the wrong spot, there's not many opportunities to win. And so, um, no, I think this league, right? I, I don't know that I've ever seen it. I mean, that. Outside of Vanderbilt, we think there are thirteen teams that are th- that are, that are, are capable of winning most every Saturday, and the same thirteen teams, probably except for Alabama and Georgia, are also capable of losing most any Saturday. Yeah, the, the, it's going to get crazy. the The bottom has come to the middle, and behind the the cop too, they've kind of come back to the middle too. It, yep, it, it's as deep. As it has ever been, it may not be as top as it's ever been no. of having four or five teams. Um, but boy, the, the, the competition level week in and week out right now is uh, it's as tough as it's ever been in terms of the depth of the league. I opinion. think that's something the new coaches that haven't been in this league sometimes are, are shocked by is just how difficult it is every time you go out there, no matter who it is. Yeah, there's no just walking over. I mean, you used to have those games, yeah, you know, where you go. I mean, I, me and Mark talk about this game a lot, and I know we talked about it a couple of years ago too on, on here. That you know, when in nineteen was it nineteen eighty eight, Reggie Slack's first year as a starter, Auburn played Mississippi State. Mississippi State wasn't terrible, but but Coach Dye decided, you know what, we got to get physical, so we're going to run the ball every play, and they basically almost ran the ball every play against Mississippi State and won the game. Um, you can't do those things anymore. It's it, mm-hmm. and it's just it's you know, and you could do some of that then. But, uh, you know, and of course, Auburn was a better team and more physical and, and had more players. That, that kind of like – that's like Georgia and Georgia and Alabama. They can they can still do some of those things now. The rest of the league can't afford to do that anymore. No, I and mean, I've still got to see Texas A&M do it before I buy into that deal too. Correct. Yeah, that's another one that doesn't uh, – I don't know who they play, but they don't play much anybody. Houston, Houston State. There you go. Yeah. So – Another, it's not a new coach, but that is a that is a highly anticipated team that's projected in the top seven, well, six, well, seven, eight. Another quarterback battle. That's the thing. There's 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 so many teams that you know. Ole Miss quarterback battle. LSU mm. had a quarterback battle. Auburn had a quarterback battle. Um, Does Ole Miss named a starter yet? Not no. Yet. Miss, Michigan. Had, Michigan has a quarterback situation for, one, for week one and they're playing the other guy in week two. Ole Miss, yeah. Ole Miss is not named the star. You know who for, you know who Michigan's playing week two, don't you? Hawaii, right? Hawaii. Yes. It won't it matter. probably doesn't matter. It won't matter. No. Well that's um, my thing about this Michigan thing is like it's Colorado State who it could be better than Hawaii, but they're not great. And not, then Hawaii, not. what are you expecting to like what if they're both good? Then what? Colorado what State has fifty fun? new players. Fifty. Yeah. So like I mean both of them are probably going to be fine. Yeah, not, they're not going to learn anything about their quarterbacks in the first two games. None. No. Yeah. Unless, here's the thing. If, if, you're, if you're playing Hawaii, if you're not good, that's the problem. That's what I said. Unless it's bad, you, you, <laughs> won't, you won't find out anything about that. That's the guys. thing. You might have well just played J.J. McCarthy as the starter and said, if you're bad, then we'll put it well, – we know what we have with Cade McNamara. So, I don't it's know. It's amazing how, how some of these teams like Colorado State are just trying to start over in the transfer portal. Because they get they lose all their best players. It was like Wyoming last week. Wyoming lost, you know, anybody they had that was a decent player transferred out, and they yep. had to basically start over. And they got walloped by Illinois, and 
that's never a good sign. Uh, of course, Brett no. Bielema, he's a much better fit at Illinois no. than than he has been in, in you know, similar to Arkansas early on. Uh, but no, a lot of good football, and I'm looking forward to it. It's almost here. Yeah, it'll be good. It'll be good. That was uh, um, that was a great show, guys. I thought that was a lot of fun. Um, if the rest of the roundtables all season are like that, then the, then that'll be a good time. So, um, appreciate everybody for listening today to the first roundtable of the season. Of course, we are very very excited to get things rolling um, with Auburn's first game of the year again, 6 p.m. Central, ESPN Plus against. Mercer. This is not the last podcast episode of the week, though. Um, we will have the pregame show, which will be a quick hit. We'll do those every week with an opposing team reporter. Just a fast, on your way to the stadium, stuck in traffic, whatever you're doing, get to know the other team right before you see them on the field. I figured that'd be the best way to do it. So we're going to have Bryce Kuhn, who is on the 24-7 network, by the way. Um, he covers Georgia Tech, but he also works in Mercer Athletics, so he gets a nice um, upfront view of that team. So he's going to join us for that episode on Saturday morning. So be sure you guys look out for that. And then of course, before the week is over, me and Jason will have the instant reaction to what we see on the field against Mercer. So again, thank you to everybody so much for listening today. If you guys enjoyed the show, please go leave us a five-star review. It'd be nice to get the reviews rolling before football season. That's when we encounter our most amount of new listeners, people who are realize they they're getting that Auburn football itch back and they're just looking for stuff to consume. Um, if you guys leave us some reviews, then they'll go find our show. And so we we would definitely appreciate that if you guys could take some time to do that on the uh, podcast app of your choice. As always, the bumper music is provided by our good friend Beats by Mordecai. You guys can follow him on Twitter, SoundCloud, and Instagram. And until that next episode on Saturday morning, we will catch you guys later. Everybody have a great rest of the week. 